I'm Becky Hennessy. This is Living Through Episode 74, Self-Care Truth Bombs Part 1. Hey there, this is Living Through, a podcast for partners who have been betrayed, who are living through as they recover and heal and reconnect. Well, spring is here, kind of. <laughs> here in Utah, we have had some wonky weather this week. It was beautifully sunny, and then it got a little windy, and then it got really windy, and then it snowed a little, and today it's back to beautifully sunny. Yes, I just said it snowed a little in spring. It's how it works here in the wonderful state of Utah. Man, before we know it, April will have come and gone, and May will be upon us. I don't know about y'all, but May is the new December at our house. Now, a global pandemic cleaned the pipes a little bit last year for us. But as things are turning back on, I can feel the busyness of May approaching. Every time May comes around or summertime or holidays, I always think to myself, okay, I'm going to get a really good game plan in my head. And it's going to all work great. And it's going to be fine. And sometimes it does. But a lot of times... There are days where I just completely face plant. There are days that I have zero energy to do anything but say yes to all of the screen time requests and days where I wake up and the second my feet hit the ground, my brain starts to calculate how many more hours there are until I can crawl back into bed. <laughs> and there are days that I am so busy with all the things that I feel crazy overwhelmed and the house looks like we've been robbed, but we haven't. I just haven't cleaned it. And I become super short with people, and it's no good for anyone. Then you pour betrayal onto all of that, or recovery, and therapy, and triggers, and healing, and all of the things. And what you have is you have yourself what I call a dumpster fire on wheels going downhill towards a dead field in July. And we know, I know, you know, we know what we're supposed to do. I'm doing air quotes, but you guys can't see those. We know what we should do to keep our heads above water. We know because it's what our therapists have told us. And it's what I say as a therapist. It's what we've learned in group. And it's what our sponsor tells us. And it's what's all over social media. And that is to keep our head above water, we need to have, say it with me, self-care. Several months ago, I did a presentation on this topic at a dear friend of mine's virtual summit called Liberating Saints. And then a few months back, I gave a little taste test of what I'm going to be presenting at a dear daughter workshop put on by another friend of mine named Molly. I'll link all of that somehow in show notes because people do that and I can figure that out how to do that. But I wanted to share what was shared in both of those spaces with you today. So at first, I thought that I would have this episode just be a tad longer than the other ones. But I think what I'll do is I'm going to break it up into two so that you can try on basic self-care stuff before jumping into the advanced stuff. Now, I want you to just get curious about and notice what happened in your mind and your body when I said the word self-care, because it's a buzzword right now. And everybody's talking about it. But some folks are missing the mark. A lot of times when we hear self-care, we think of a spa day or a massage or getting our nails done or going on a vacation. We envision all of these big ticket items, these time-consuming, money-consuming ideas. But today, I'm going to give you my simple definition for self-care. We'll talk about 
basic self-care. And then in the next episode, I'll talk about advanced self-care and I'll give you an ever-changing list of what things fall under the umbrella of that. Man, we should have you go and grab a pack of peanut butter M&Ms. And every time I say the word self-care in the next two episodes, you get to eat one because I've already said it a time. <laughs> okay. So when I can't find a definition that fits for me, I make my own up. I find a bunch of different definitions and then I mash them up together. And that's what I've done with my definition of self-care. So Becky's definition of self-care is having daily habits that help create and maintain spiritual, emotional, physical, and relational wellness. So I'm going to say that one more time. Self-care is having daily habits that help create and maintain spiritual, emotional, physical, and relational wellness. Now, for me, there are three qualifiers that I put alongside whatever self-care practice I'm trying on. And those qualifiers are, is it simple? Is it meaningful? And is it intentional? So let me break those down a little bit. Self-care needs to be simple. Now, simple and easy are two entirely different things. I'm not talking about easy. I'm talking about simple. It does not have to be complicated. In fact, the more simple it is, the more likely you are to do it. And that's going to make sense later on in today's episode. Self-care also has to be meaningful. If it is just something you do because you think you should or because so-and-so does it in their self-care routine or because it sounds nice, you are not going to do it. So for example, some people write in a journal as part of their self-care. If you do not find meaning in that, which is totally okay, don't add it in to your self-care practices or to your routine. Because again, if you don't find meaning in it, you're not going to do it. Lastly, it needs to be intentional, which means it needs to be on purpose. Self-care is not autopilot. It's about mindfulness, which again, my definition would be non-judgmental awareness, right? That's what mindfulness is. So it's about mindfulness. It's about being present. So if it isn't done with intent, you're not going to get what you need out of it. So again, as you are adding in self-care practices, ask yourself, is it simple? Is it meaningful? And is it intentional? Now, here are my top five self-cares that I try to do daily. So I actually call them my dailies. They are super basic. Here are a couple of reasons why. One, when we are in stress, cortisol is released. And when we are in fear or feeling threatened, adrenaline is released. Those are very intense chemicals and they are exhausting chemicals after they have run their course through our body. So with trauma, where stress is happening, fear is happening, feelings of threat are happening, we get more physically and emotionally tired because cortisol and adrenaline and other chemicals as well are pulsing through us. Number two, a gentleman named David Eagleman was a recent guest on one of Brene Brown's recent podcasts. And he says this, and I think that it is so pertinent to what we're talking about here. He says, the brain uses glucose or sugar from the blood. It's like fuel for a gas tank. 
Now, he says this next part in regards to how the pandemic is affecting our brains and our bodies right now, but to me, it absolutely fits in how our brains are navigating betrayal and or trauma. He adds, our brains are doing a lot of spinning the wheels under the hood. Our internal models of the world aren't functioning well, and so we're constantly trying to rebuild our expectations of how everything works, what to expect in the world, and how to operate in it. And so our brains spend their time reconfiguring and replugging and feeling around for new ways of doing things, and that burns a lot of energy. Well said, David. So let me unpack that. That's a lot. So what David is saying is that our brain uses glucose or sugar from the blood, and that is like fuel for a gas tank. He says basically what's happening is when all of these unknowns are happening, our internal models of how the world should go aren't functioning well. So we're constantly trying to reconfigure everything, refigure everything out. And this makes sense if you've been in a betrayed space or you've been in a space where trauma has occurred. You're always just trying to figure out how to do things, how to look at things, how to perceive things, and that burns a lot of energy. So these self-cares are basic, but they're crucial because of the amount of energy our bodies and our brains are using in the betrayal and the trauma waters. Make sense? So we start with these five basic self-cares. Super basic, super important. Number one, and these don't have to be in any order. You do them whatever order you want. I numbered them because, you know, it's just what you do. Number one, drink more water. I am not a doctor, so I'm not going to tell you how much that you need to drink. What I'm saying is drink more, lots more. Water helps our brains function better. It helps with our energy levels. It helps with headaches. It flushes out the system. It helps with blood pressure. The list goes on and on and on. Chances are once discovery or disclosure has happened or relapse has been discovered or disclosed, your brain wants to shut down. Energy drops. You have a stress headache or you have a cry headache. Tensions are high. If anything can help with the brain function, energy, and headaches, water is a go-to. So drink more water. Next, eat three meals a day, intentional meals. Initially, I just recommend that three meals happen. I don't get super concerned about the content. Over time, as a therapist, I suggest stepping up this basic self-care by eating three healthy meals a day. Now, I know some of you may be saying, of course, you should eat three meals a day. Doesn't everybody? No, everybody doesn't. After discovery or after disclosure or after relapse is disclosed or discovered, as you're doing this recovery thing, as you're doing this healing thing, if trauma occurs and you're just trying to live each day, the next day, the next day, a lot of folks have zero appetite and have a really hard time eating. Or folks start to emotionally eat and can't stop. Our body needs fuel to function, so we need to feed it three times a day. That's number two. Number three is to get quality sleep. Notice I said quality, not quantity. 
when trauma has occurred or when discovery or disclosure has happened, sleep goes down the drain and stays that way sometimes throughout the recovery and the healing process. In a trauma space, that could be because your brain can't shut off. That could be because when you do sleep, you have nightmares. In a betrayed space, folks stay up late talking after the kids have gone to bed. Your mind starts to race. Questions start to come. Fear sets in more at night a lot of the time. Hard feels set in. Thoughts are triggered. Quality sleep doesn't happen, but without sleep, we cannot recharge. And our brain can't scoop out all of the stuff from short-term memory and put it into long-term memory. Sleep allows us to download everything from that day into that long-term memory and to start new. So when we get quality sleep, this is some cycles of REM, our brain functions better, we can regulate our emotions better. There's books and books and books about the benefits of sleep. Quality sleep is crucial. Number four, sometimes when trauma has occurred, when we're in recovery, when we're in healing, it physically hurts and it physically hurts to move. Sometimes it's all one can do to get out of bed. So number four is to intentionally move your body. Now, intentional movement, some people call it exercise, is one of the quickest ways to release feel-good chemicals in your brain. So these are chemicals like oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine. When you and I are in survival mode, in fight, fight, or freeze, our heart rate speeds up, our breathing quickens, we start to sweat. By moving intentionally, your body learns to tolerate those things because what happens when you move your body intentionally, you guessed it, your heart rate goes up, your breathing quickens, and you start to sweat. So our body learns, oh, when my heart rate goes up, this is how I regulate. When my breathing quickens, this is how I regulate. When I sweat, this is how I regulate. By moving intentionally, Again, we can learn to tolerate those things. Movement without intention does not have the same effect. We need to move on purpose. Running after your children, chasing the bus, moving from the couch to the bathroom, that's not intentional movement unless you deem it as such. So if you know, okay, I'm walking the kids to school today and then I'm going to pick them up and walk home, then catalog that in your brain as your intentional movement for the day. Have it be on purpose. If you know, okay, I'm going to have to do laundry today. So I'm going to have to run up and down the stairs a majillion trillion times because that's how long it takes to do laundry. And that's how many loads you have, right? Then it's, that's going to be my intentional movement then. I'm going to run down the stairs as fast as I can. I'm going to run up the stairs as fast as I can. Maybe not run down the stairs if you have laundry basket in your hands because that's just going to create a lot of shenanigans. But intentional movement means it's on purpose, it releases those awesome chemicals and it also teaches your body this is how to regulate when the heart rate increases, when the breathing is hard, those kinds of things. Number five, do something to take care of yourself hygienically. Shower, brush your hair, change your clothes. Again, I know some of you are like, Becky, who on earth is not showering? I will tell you who. 
someone whose world has just been turned upside down, someone who doesn't know if they are going to be harmed or traumatized, someone who does not know if they're going to be left or if they have to leave. Basic stuff is really hard to do initially. So do something to take care of the body that you've got. Drink more water, eat three meals a day, quality sleep, move your body intentionally, and do something hygienically to take care of yourself. Now, why are these the first things that need to happen in self-care? Well, it's because when we are in survival mode, these are the first things to go out the window. And because sometimes it's about all you can do to accomplish these five things every day. Now, a lot of times folks want to jump immediately to advanced self-care, and I'll talk a little bit about that. And sometimes we need to in certain circumstances. But if the basics are not happening as well, the advanced self-care will not stick. So we have to nail down these basics. We have to pay attention to them first. We have to make sure that they're consistently happening as much as possible. None of us are perfect. You're not going to nail it every day, all the time. But before we consider some of the additional self-care strategies that I'm going to talk about in the next episode, these ones are the ones that we need to focus on first. I am so glad that I get to visit with you guys all here in this space. I love getting to connect to you here in this way. If there's anything that has been said today, uh, or even in the previous episode, that you feel like has stuck to you, or that you have more questions about, reach out to me via email, Becky, B-E-C-K-I-E, at BeckyHennessy.com, and tell me what spoke to your heart. Maybe share the podcast with somebody that you think it might be helpful for. You can leave a review online, I guess. That's a thing. (laughs) Try on these five basic self-care things daily in the coming weeks. And keep living through whatever that looks like for you this next week. We'll talk soon.